glad you're here and we want you to welcome each other, get each other's name. Thank you for worshiping with us today.
Father, we come to you today. We love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you for your love and mercy. Lord, I come to you this morning, and I, I just want to say thank you for our pastors, Lord, for all their sacrifices that they've given for us over the years and, and daily, Lord. We just lift them up to you. We ask that you receive honor and glory through all that we do. In your name we pray.
Thank you, and you may be seated, please. Aren't you glad to be here this morning? We welcome you to Crossroads Ministries. At this time, would you please take the friendship folders and pass them down the aisle? This helps us to better minister to you and your family. We are so thankful for all that the Lord is doing here in the church. And uh, today, we want to uh, just remind you that on this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, is our Christmas outreach. It's our Christmas dessert theater, Humbug. If you don't have a ticket, tickets are available after the service today. But please, bring somebody who needs the Lord. That's what this is all about. We're sharing the gospel. People's lives will be changed. People's lives will be transformed this weekend by the power of Jesus Christ. So uh, it's an opportunity for you to share the, the message of Christ with other people. So please pick up your tickets today after the service. And then we have our Christmas offering, the birthday gift to Jesus offering. I'd like to uh, instruct you to take out your paper inside of your bulletin and uh, pull that out. And you can see the birthday gift to Jesus. We have a four-part formula for success. The first is to pray. Uh, Pastor John has led our church to be a prayer-driven church, and I'm thankful for that, aren't you? Amen. Uh, we, are, we want you to pray. Pray and ask the Lord. Look over this list and just ask the Lord, who could I sponsor? How could I get behind us, Lord? Uh, God, be with these missionaries. There's people all over the world, and the, the money that we're going to collect, we're going to send, and we're going to see lives transformed around the world. Help meet people's needs everywhere uh, through the power of Christ there. Prioritize. You know, if you don't make a plan, uh, the pastor has told us for many years, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. So make a plan. Uh, what will I do? And then step out and give by faith. You know, if God supplies the need, uh, you're asking the Lord, Lord, I don't have this money, but would you give me $500, maybe 1000 maybe it's 300 whatever the number that God lays on your heart. And you ask the Lord, would you provide this, and I'll give it to your missionaries. And I tell you what, I've seen over and over God do that. And as we step out by faith, we see the transcendent, what God does there. And so today I'd like to encourage you to do the same. Step out by faith, ask the Lord, what would he have you to give? And then when he gives it to you, actually go on ahead and give. Uh, my wife and I, we came across a few extra dollars the other day. And my wife says, well, what should we do with it? I said, you know what, we have to do with it. We've been asking the Lord, and that's going to go to help his missionaries. And then step four is to be thankful. It's always great to be on the giving end. God has allowed us to be blessed and to, to be on the giving end. One of the missionaries that, uh, that we support is John Fowler, and you'll see him up there on the screen. Uh, this is just some ministry shots from his ministry. John grew up here in the church. He and his wife, uh, Bianca, were baptized here at the church. They came to Christ here. And uh, he went out to be a youth pastor, and then God tugged on his heart to go overseas. And now he's in Central America as a missionary, and uh, God is using him mightily. We're so thankful for what God is doing there. And I'd like to ask you to pray for them. Um, take them as they're on your list. Pray. Look, look at them out there in some of the areas that they've had their kids already. And just imagine taking your family. I think we have a family shot coming up there. Uh, taking your whole family, uh, making a sacrifice, and going out on the mission field. So he's one of our missionaries that we're supporting, and I'd like to ask you as, uh, as you look over the list to remember that these are real people with real needs, and God has provided for you. And as God provides for you to give to them, that's how he works. God is meeting their needs by meeting your needs, and uh, we're, we're so thankful. Uh, we, our goal this year is $75,000. It's going to take everybody 
pitching in together. We all need to pray together. We need to give and just honor, honor the Lord this Christmas. And, you know, I think it's great that we can invest in, in eternity instead of Apple, aren't you? Or invest in eternity instead of Toys R Us. Invest in eternity. And that's a, that's a tremendous thing. We're up to about 18000 has been collected so far. And we're going to be giving into January. But we want to give you an opportunity to give. So it, it's, a, it's a great day here in the church this morning. A lot of excitement as we come together. We're celebrating Pastor John and Joanne, 47 years of blessing. Let's give them a hand as we begin our celebration day. Forty-seven years of blessings. It, that picture there is—I um, think you can almost find that in any garage sale on a Saturday morning in Finleyville. That back in the day there was a—they had this program here, the Living Christmas Tree, and uh, it was on the back of this record album. And they handed out—they must have handed out thousands of them. And they gave them away, and, and you can find that all over the place. Every now and then I'll—I'll I'll be out in the community and I'll browse and I'll pick it up, and there's Pastor John and Joanne. And, uh, and, his, and their kids, and just what, what a blessing they have been to us. Uh, what, a, what an amazing, amazing thing to have a pastor for 47 years. Amen? We have been a blessed church because of who God is and how that he has worked and Pastor John and Joanne's faithfulness. So uh, this morning, let's stand and receive the offering. As we receive the offering, this is the beginning of our, our kickoff of the celebration today. But as we receive the offering this morning, it's a real privilege to give it to the Lord, isn't it? He's wonderful. He's given you 100% of what you have. And now we get to come back and we honor Him and we bless Him. What a, what a privilege it is. The Lord blesses us and, and now we get to bless Him. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father and our God, we come before you and we thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for all that you've done in this church, God. I thank you for Pastor John and Joanne, Lord, 47 years of blessings, of, of your faithfulness to our church, Lord, of your faithfulness to Pastor John and Joanne. Thank you for their faithfulness to you. Lord, our lives, everyone in this room, we've, we've reaped the benefits of, of their ministry, of your work in their life, of their, of their surrender and call to the ministry, Lord. And we thank you for all that, all that you have done and all that you're going to continue to do in the days ahead. But, Lord, today we stop, we pause, and we say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done, for you are good. Lord, be with us now as we give. We ask that, as, uh, uh, that you'll be with each gift and each giver as, as we place this into your hands, Lord. And we know that you will, you will transform lives, not only here, but around the world. For it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, please. As we give to the Lord this morning, just, uh, just uh, we're going to put up a slideshow here. And I want you to watch these, uh, these pictures here of Pastor John and Joanne. And just thank the Lord with us as we begin our celebration.
Beside the crystal sea We heard the angels singing And someone called your name We turned and saw this young man And he was smiling as he came And he said, friend You may not know me now Then he said, but wait You used to teach my Sunday school And I was only eight And every week you would say a prayer Before the class would start And one day when you said that prayer I asked Jesus in my heart So glad 
so glad you gave. Amen. Let's thank them again. We'd just like to pause and have a few people share their thanks, word of thanksgiving to the Lord and thanksgiving to Pastor John and Joanne for, uh, for what they have done, their commitment to faithfulness and how it has impacted lives. You know, Pastor John is all about souls. He wants to see people come to Christ. He's transferred that passion on to me and to most of you. And uh, I'll tell you what, I don't think I know another man more committed to bringing people to Christ. And I'm so thankful because my life was changed because they stepped up to the plate, because they made sacrifices. And as a little kid, I walked in this place, and God transformed my life and saved me from a lot of heartache. And, uh, and we're just excited about what God has done through them. So we're going to pause and we're going to honor and just consider the impact of their ministry today. Good morning. I told Kenny in the first service, you know, they should have done the video last. I'm already emotional by the time I get up here, but bear with me. Um, I just wanted to say a few words about um, how my family ended up here at Library Baptist and uh, the impact that both Pastor and Joanne uh, have had on my family. So uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Brian Gamender. This is my mother, Sharon. My sister is Michelle Slagle. And my father was Ron Gamender. And um, both of my parents grew up in the Millville section of Pittsburgh. My father was a union roofer by trade. Unfortunately, he was also an alcoholic, as was his father. My parents had a rocky marriage, to say the least. They would separate from time to time. So one day they decided to move out of the city and try to make their marriage work. Unknown to them at the time, God had already had a plan for their lives. So he brought them to the little town of Finleyville. Shortly after they moved here, they heard of a bus that would come through the neighborhood on Sunday mornings to pick kids up and take them to Library Baptist Church, which was where Straight Street is now. And, and by the way, the, the person that came around the neighborhood visiting to tell them about the bus was Pastor Arnold's father. And um, so one Sunday... They sent my sister, who was only four years old at the time, on the bus to church by herself, which sounds crazy to me, but, but that, was, uh, that was the beginning of God's plan. Shortly after that, Pastor Arnold started to come to the house and try to get my parents to come, as tr to, come to church also, but my father didn't want anything to do with church. My father actually told me years later, when I was older, that whenever he knew Pastor was going to be coming around, he would turn all the lights off in the house and pretend like nobody was home. <clears throat> so, they eventually made it to church. It was Palm Sunday, 1970, and he preached on the Lamb's Book of Life. During the invitation, both my mom and dad walked down the aisle and received Christ as their Savior. My mom carried me down the aisle with them. I was only three months old at the time. My father did not quit drinking right away, however. And there were some nights he would not even come home after work. <clears throat> One day, Pastor Arnold found out where my dad was working, and he went there to talk to him. He told the guys working on the job site, tell Ron to come down, I, I need to speak to him, but my dad wouldn't come down. So, there went Pastor up the ladder, onto the roof, 
to tell my dad he was coming to his house later that night to talk to him and he better be home. My father eventually stopped drinking and quit his job roofing and came to work full-time at the church here for over 30 years until he passed away in 2002. But thanks to Pastor and Joanne and their faithfulness to God and their persistence in seeing my parents come to Christ, you not only changed their lives, but the lives of my family for generations to come. This is only one story of one family out of thousands of lives that you have impacted over the 47 years of ministry. I wish you both well as you transition into this next stage of life together and just know that you are both loved and will be truly missed. Thank you. When we came to the little church in library, we were broken people. Searching for the answer to our struggling marriage. My husband, Ron, was an alcoholic. He tried to quit. He even went to AA, but they couldn't help him. And he kept telling me that he wanted to quit, but he couldn't. There were many broken promises. We were separated several times because I just couldn't trust him anymore. That day on Palm Sunday in that little church, 1970, we found the answer, Jesus Christ. My daughter Michelle was four. My son Brian was three months old. From that day on, Pastor John Arnold took Ron under his wing. He saw the potential in him and was determined to help this man who had lost his way become the man that God wanted him to be. There were triumphs and tragedies along the way, but Pastor stuck close beside him, going many extra miles to see him through. At the same time, Joanne Arnold began mentoring me. We spent a lot of time together in the early days of my Christian journey. In her, I saw a godly woman and a godly wife. She helped me to see that I could trust God because he had a plan for our lives. And eventually, I could trust my husband again. She was there for me through the good and bad times. She encouraged me all along the way. You see, my husband, Ron, is in heaven today. Because two young people gave their lives to the Lord and followed his plan to come to the little church and library to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to sinners. That's why we're all here today because Pastor John and Joanne poured their lives into this church and into the people. I am eternally, eternally, literally, eternally grateful to them both for obeying the call of God on their lives and bringing the gospel to my family. I love you both. I pray God's richest blessings on you as you journey on to the next chapter of your lives. I will miss you both very much. But you will always be in my prayers and in my heart. Next up, we have Sandy Walshack. Ooh. <laughs> all right, Sandy, we're on a time limit because he's still going to speak today, all right? So. Um, my name is Sandy, as you know, and I have but a glimpse of my life 
of a chapter of their life in God's great book of love. So I'm just going to tell you where it all started for me. Also in that little church and library at the age of 12, I accepted Jesus in my heart as much as I could understand that he loved me and I had him. And pastor said, go tell somebody at home. And I did. I told my mother. I told my brothers. My grandma came. Um, I've told friends. I've told a lot of people. And a lot of people have accepted Jesus in their heart and are saved today. Also, because you too followed God's plan. Um, and then I was 12 and I came on the bus for a little while. And then we didn't come. And I hate to say it, Brian, but sometimes we shut our lights off too. <laughs> because we had several visitors. But it was worth it all because God prevailed. Um, at the age of 26, I was 12, I didn't come for a while. At the age of 26, my grandma bought me, brought me to see the living Christmas tree. And I used to roller skate every Sunday morning and take lessons. I gave that up. I just went up one morning and said, I don't want to do this anymore. But my grandma brought me to that tree, and that following Sunday, I came to church because I couldn't go for my lesson. And I didn't know why I quit roller skating, but I did after I started coming because this is where my heart was, right here. And... Um, And so, at the age of 26, you again gave an invitation up here to receive the Lord. And you said, raise your hand, and I raised my hand. And Mandy came down out of the choir and showed me in the Bible how to be saved. And ever since, I've been coming. I don't miss unless I'm sick or, or I'm, I'm away. Um, then a couple of years later, my mother had a brain aneurysm. And you went all the way to the hospital in Pittsburgh and prayed with my mother. And that next morning, when we went to the hospital, I prayed with my brothers and my dad, Jim. And I was so at peace because of what I've learned here and what I had in my heart. I prayed, God, take my mother, if that is your will. I, I, I'm at peace with not a tear shed. And that's because we learned how to pray and had God's love in, in our heart. And because I was ready to give my mother to God, he gave her back to us. Amen. Then a couple of years later, Ron and I got married in this church. And in March, that will be 25 years. Um, I also have had the, the honor and privilege to do Straight Street for like 20 years now. Um, I also had the honor and privilege to go to Ecuador with Pastor and his grandson, Blake. Again, one of the most important things that I've, that I've ever done in my whole life. Um, so, Pastor, I thank God for you and Joanne and this church and everybody for all their prayer. And I'd just like to share my favorite verse with you, and that would be Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate there in day and night, and then thou wilt observe, observe to do according to all that is, is written. And then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And Pastor and Joanne, in my eyes, you are the finest example of that verse. You started then, and you're still doing it now. And I just thank you and wish you all the blessings that you have given me and everybody else along the way. 
And I thank you. I love you. And just one more little thing. Today, this is for you. Go Steelers. Becoming a Cowboy fan. Okay, what a blessing. What a blessing. We have time for one more. I'm, I'm going to ask Betty Stitch to come down. We could have the house lights on uh, just down front here. Betty, uh, Betty came in this morning. She said, I have 45 minutes prepared. I said, Betty, how about three? So, Betty, just before Pastor comes to speak, would you just give an abbreviated version of your thankfulness and love? Yeah, my 45 minutes have been cut to five. <laughs> Pastor calls me one of the last Mohegans, so anyway, that's where I stand. But I remember the day he came. I was there. I could still see him after 47 years, sitting about six rows back on the left-hand side by the window, grinning from ear to ear, and I didn't know who he was. I wasn't in charge of inviting him, but I soon found out when he was in the pulpit. And uh, the message he gave is the message he always gives about salvation. And I'm forgetting, I gotta go to my notes. But anyway, the look I saw on his face in the auditorium, then I understood what his grinning was about. He saw potential in our church and what he's gonna do and how he's gonna do it, I'm sure. So anyway, the first thing he did, Monday night visitation. And if you taught a Sunday school class, we needed to be there to visit our children that came out. Plus, he's had a way of getting new names from South Park Township that we visited these new people. And I didn't really know at that time how to lead somebody to the Lord. He taught us that. And from then on, we were able to go and win people where they were. And Sunday morning was the most exciting time. we come to the church and wonder, who's going to go forward today? And every Sunday, there was people going forward to ask Christ into their heart. I remember Sharon and her husband coming forward that day. And I had her in the back room, and I guess I might have knew what to do by then, but she told me today that I prayed with her. I, I don't remember a lot of the little things, but I thank God that I was a part of her life at that time. And then we had the bus ministry. His father bought the first bus, and... My husband and I had the opportunity of driving that bus. Sandy, I remember you. I didn't know how old you were, 12 years old. Her and her brothers got on the bus, and she's been here ever since. Norma Young is another one, her and her family. But some of the rest I kind of forget. And let me see. I, I gotta get, if I go off on a tangent, you'll be here a while. Uh, Oh, we had the sign language. And there was about five or six of us that came out for that. But two of us finished. And Sunday morning, we started translating to about three deaf people. 
And when we were learning a sign language, we had the boy next door come over. He was deaf. And one day he's there practically rolling on the floor laughing. I couldn't figure what's the matter with him. And she came over and she said, the way you made that one sign is a bad word. <laughs> so we had to be careful after that with how we formed words. Our, our Sunday school grew and grew and grew due to the visitation and pastor visiting. And my husband was one. He would never come to church, but he got on him and he got out. And, my, and he started coming. But um, I'm skipping something. Well, anyway, what I started to say, Sunday school grew so fast that we had to meet in nearby homes. And uh, I didn't have to do that. Fortunately, I was a teacher at the time, and I didn't have to travel. But as I ended before, I was up here for the first service, and I told the pastor I wanted to tell him this in person. But you know how he used to always say in the pulpit, I'm in love with God's word? I, I couldn't understand that. I read my Bible every day. I studied. I prayed every day, but I couldn't say the word in love. Maybe love, not in love. But you know, I went and I prayed and I prayed and I asked God to give me what he had. And I learned a lot through him over the years. But you know, it came to me. I am in love with God's word today. I read it more and more than I ever did. And I praise God because I learned a lot here. We learn truth here. And we don't have to worry about that. Praise God, Pastor Arnold. Praise God. <laughs> Let's thank her. We're so thankful for uh, Betty. You know, Betty still, if you'll see her in the summer, you'll see her. She's out here pulling weeds. Over 80 years old, pulling weeds in the church. I'm thankful for the generation that paved the way for us, aren't you? Let's thank God. Would you now welcome to the stage Pastor John Arnold. Holy cow. Holy cow. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's so great to see your smiling faces today. Betty Stitch, what a jewel, amen. She didn't go on a tangent, did she? You know, uh, the blessings of God have really been great uh, in your life and mine. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Can we get that uh, noise out of there, Ken? Um, I'd like to talk to you about being faithful. 1 Corinthians 4.2 and another way to, to express it is now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. Whenever I started out in the ministry, I realized just looking around at the religious landscape that there were plenty of gifts and talents, talents that I did not have. But I figured there's one thing that I could do and that's to try to be faithful. Because in that little church that I tell you about often, way back in the Sheridan section of Pittsburgh, 
Our pastor used to always talk about that, be faithful. That's what we're called to do, be faithful. You know, I knew that life was a gift from God, and I knew that new life in Christ was a gift from God, too. And the thing that really attracted me to Jesus was uh, I saw Christ in the lives of faithful Christians in the church. You know, there are many people that minimize the importance of the church, but if you've been in the church a long time, you realize how great it really is. The scripture says that Jesus died on the cross for the church. He gave himself for the church. He said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I was influenced to Christ by the faithfulness of God's people. I saw in them what I needed in my life. In 1952, I knelt at the altar in our church, and I made the greatest exchange that anyone could ever make. I gave Christ my sins, and he gave me his righteousness. Um, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ captured my soul. Jesus said in John 12:32, If I be lifted up, I'll draw all people to me. And when we see Christ hanging on the cross, it's like a magnet, a magnet. How could we not love him who gave his all for us? It was the love of Jesus for me that attracted me to him. I embrace John 3.16. You know, many people in our world know John 3.16, but uh, I personalized it. My mother said, John, you've got to have a personal Savior. She kept telling me that, personal, personal, between you and, and the Lord. And so I learned to read John 3.16 this way, For God so loved me that he gave his only begotten Son that if I would believe in him, I would not perish, but have everlasting life. I put me in John 3.16. You know, a lot of times we look at the kids around the church and we think, boy, they make so much noise. They're getting, uh, they're, they're just out of control. But you know, I think that many people in our church know about the 414 window. 80% of the people who are saved in this world are saved between age 4 and 14. 80%. So the kids in the Sunday school, that's where we need to have our efforts, right? We need to bring kids to Christ. Uh, the next leaders of our church are now in junior church while we sit in the auditorium here. Uh, the message of Christmas and Easter became personal to me. Uh, the implications of that decision no one could ever know. Uh, I knew that when I accepted Christ as my Savior in 1952 that something was different in me. The scripture says that Christ is in us, Ephesians 3.17, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the depth, the height, that you may understand the love of God. I knew that there was something different in me. It was the Holy Spirit. It also was my mother and dad praying for me. When I came home as a teenager, I would walk by my dad's room and I would peer in there and I would see him on his knees beside his bed. I know what he was praying. He was praying for me. Uh, God protected me through those teenage years. You know, it was uh, faithfulness that attracted me, and so I decided that that would be my goal. Uh, I wanted to be faithful to the Lord. That doesn't sound like a, a goal that's too hard, but, it, you know, it's so impactful. It really is uh, to be faithful to the Lord. Edward Guest said one time, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely tell the way. The eye is a better pupil and more willing than the ear. 
Fine counsel is confusing, but example is always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds. For to see good put in action is what everybody really needs. I soon can learn to do it if you'll tell me, let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lecture you deliver may be very wise indeed and true, but I'd rather get my lessons by observing what you do. Uh, I saw Christ in the people in our little church. I saw Christ in my mother and in my dad. And uh, I wanted that. To be faithful, to be reliable in season and out of season. And in Pennsylvania, that means in all four seasons. I learned later that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God wants us to open ourselves up to his training. We do that when we are faithful. I've said many times, 90% of success is just showing up. You know, if we show up to read the Bible, we're going to be successful. If we show up to come to church, we're going to be successful. If we show up to witness to somebody, we're going to be successful. And so I encourage you today to make that your goal. Upon graduation, I joined the Air Force. Uh, and off I went to basic training. Uh, I was being guided by the Holy Spirit. I didn't really understand all about that then, but I was. Uh, I was being guided by God uh, to another church. God takes us from church to church in our life. John 16, 13 says, Whoever, when, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. God was guiding me. When you have the Holy Spirit in your life, that's, that's exactly the goal of God, to guide your life. Psalm 23, we know it all. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me, he leads me, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. You know, the beautiful thing about God is he always leads us in the right direction. Do you know that? You know, if we start leading ourselves, what do we do? We crash, right? If we let other people lead us, they lead us over the cliff. Not so with God. God leads us always in the right direction. Psalm 37, 23 says, The Lord directs the path of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. I was 17 years old. I wanted to join the Air Force. But back then you couldn't join the Air Force being that young. You had to have permission from your family. I brought the permission paper open to my home to my dad and he grabbed it out of my hand as fast as he could and signed it because <laughs> he thought I might change my mind well I was being guided by the Lord again it was to a church uh, the body of Christ on earth just think of it Jesus said that we are the body of Christ we are his eyes we are his heart we are his hands we are his feet, his feet. When I, when I went into the Air Force, there were some service guys that invited me to a church. God was leading me there through other people. And uh, in that particular church was right outside the Air Force base, and they had a lot of airmen that attended the church. And they put the young airmen like me in the youth group of the church. I thought, that's a strange place for, uh, and I, I thought I was an adult. They put me in the youth group. Maybe they gave me an IQ test, I don't know. 
They put me in the youth group, but yeah, I think there was method in their madness because that's where the girls were in the youth group. The girls were there. And I spotted this black-haired girl. Holy cow. She wanted to walk with God. She wanted to do God's will in her life, and we started to sit together in church. She had her Bible in her hand, and I had my Bible in mine. God was working on my heart, and she was working on my heart, too. I was being challenged to give my life for something big. Way back in 1920 in China, there was a company, I think it was an American company, that was looking for a translator, somebody who could speak Chinese and English. And in the board in the boardroom, they said, listen, I know of a person like that. It's a missionary here in China. Let's offer him a large salary and let's get him on board and he can be our translator. So they sent someone to the missionary and they offered the missionary a lot of money, more money than he'd ever thought about to stop being a missionary and be a translator for this company that wanted to do business in China. And so they offered him this money, and uh, they said, now, will you come and work for us? And he said, no, I'm not interested. And they said, well, isn't this enough money for you? He said, oh, yes, the money is more than enough, but the job isn't big enough for me. And so I was being challenged back in those years to do something bigger in my life. I know that everybody doesn't, God doesn't call everybody to be a pastor or an evangelist or missionary. We have to have some normal people around, you know, to keep them all in line. God just calls a few people to be pastors. And so I was being challenged. Luke 9.24 says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. That, that verse attracted me. I wanted to give up my life. I wanted to say that, Lord, everything I have belongs to you. How could I do less than that? That's what I wanted. I wanted to tell others about the love of God. Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That means give it all, lay it all down. And God answered my prayers and, and jo Joanne's prayers. June 24th, 1962, Joanne and I were married. We've walked this journey together for 53 years. Our first son, John, was born in the Air Force, on the Air Force Base. We were so excited about that because it was free. We didn't have to pay for his birth. And I thought, this is awesome. We'll just have a bunch of kids right here real quick in the Air Force. I mean, it'll, it'll be awesome. These free babies will be coming along. But we learned, out, we learned later that these kids are not free. They keep costing, don't they? Can I hear an amen? amen. Wow. Wow. Well, our second son, Dan, was born in Allegheny General in Pittsburgh. We went off to Bible college with our two little boys. That little house you saw us stand, Joanne and I standing in front of, paid $50 a month for rent. Little did I know what I was asking her to do. I was asking her to live her life in a glass house. I didn't know that. Have a public life. She has been superlative as a pastor's wife and mother. Joanne has encouraged me every step of the way as we pursued our dream. When I went to seminary to study Greek so I could understand the New Testament better, I remember walking through South Park uh, with her. She was quizzing me uh, on the Greek alphabet. How romantic is that, ladies? Holy. She did every job there was to do in the church. You know, a pastor's wife spends half her life in the nursery. Do you know that? 
when, when they go to a church. We wanted to start an educable slow class, a class for kids that had learning disabilities and behavioral problems. You know who stepped up to do it? Joanne. And she did it for years, the educable slow class. She went on visitation with me from door to door in the bus ministry. We went to hospital visitation together. We went to funeral homes together. Um, for 10 years, she worked in a smoke-filled office so that we could have more money in the church to make the church go strong, become stronger. She paid the price. Last Sunday, she taught her ladies' Bible class. She finished strong. She's a winner. She paid the biggest price for us to be able to do what we've done. She did this all with a good attitude. She's always been excited about what God was doing in our church. Um, she served with joy. Our third son, Steve, showed up 10 years after Dan was born, and he was born in St. Clair Hospital. We are blessed with three boys. They are our trophies. They're all sensitive to God. They're all married to the greatest wives, and each have given us two grandchildren. In January of 1968, we left Bible college. In Bible college, they told us, hey, go to a town and spend the rest of your life there. Wow. Now, that kind of went over my head now, but I think I know what it means. Go to a town and start a church and spend the rest of your life there. Well, we came back to Pittsburgh, and there was a small group of dedicated Christians on Piney Fork Road who was willing to give us a chance. We were so young. We were 26 years old, Joanne and I. And uh, I would go out and I would say, I'm the pastor. And they would look at me like, you're crazy. You can't be a pastor. You look like a teenager. But you know what we did? Uh, in Bible college, they don't really teach you how to run a church. I, they just teach you a few things about the Bible, but the practical things you have to learn on the run. And the only thing that we need to, knew to do was to pray. And so we practiced prayer in the church. Jesus said in John 14, 13, And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. We took that literally. We prayed that God would help us bring people to Christ. God sent us many good helpers. We started a radio ministry right away in the church and been on the radio for 45 years. I was cleaning out my office the other day and we're sending all my books to the Philippines so the Filipino pastors can enjoy uh, the books that I've been collecting for the last 50 years. Uh, and I found some of those old radio tapes. Remember those old reel-to-reel? -reel? Some of you never, don't even have a clue what that is. You know, they, were, they, were round, they were round, let me just put it that way. They were big and round. I found some and I, I thought, well, just keep this. And I said, no, I'm throwing them away. I don't need those things. Well, uh, we bought 10 acres. Uh, the church grew, as Betty said. We bought 10 acres out here on the hill. And later we purchased 20 more to go with them. We started a school and we ran that for 30 years. And some of the people who were saved over in South Park are still with the church today. And so many things have transpired. The thing I think that has marked our church through the years is the family spirit in our church. Uh, people have come back to our church through the years and they say, hey, listen, this is the family of God here in this place. We are the family of God. Uh, we embrace each other. We stand with each other when things are tough and when...
things are good and we cry with each other and we laugh with each other. We are the family of God. And our church has always had that as, uh, as its quality. I tell people when they come to our church, listen, you, you'll enjoy our church if you are a forgiving person, if you can forgive us for our mistakes. Uh, if you lower your expectations, I think you can get something out of the church. Don't have too high of an expectation. Uh, there's no such thing as perfection, is there, in any church? In the last five years, our church has given over $500,000 to missions outside of our church. This summer, remember, we had a summer prayer emphasis. We believe in prayer. We believe God answers prayer. I ask you to pray for $200,000. Uh, that was a big request, wasn't it? We prayed all summer. Lord, we need a parking lot. Every church today that has any number of people coming has to have a good parking lot. It was a need. We prayed for $200,000. We didn't have a clue where that would come from. Jim Watts called me up one day and said, listen, get over here. I have, I have something I want to tell you. And uh, he said, it'll make your day. I dropped everything that I was doing. I came over to the church. He said, now sit down. He said, God has answered our prayer. He not only gave us 200, he doubled it and more. He gave us more than twice that amount. In the spring, we're going to get that long-awaited parking lot. Well, uh, pastors and missionaries have been born as a result of our church ministry, and Christian workers in churches all over the country today are serving the Lord because of your efforts here on the Hill. Uh, I've been tempted through the years to, to count the number of ministers that are out ministering and missionaries and Christian workers, but I always rejected that because I have too many things in my life for which to be proud. I didn't want to add another thing to my list. I just want that to be known to God. You know, as much as we can enjoy the past today, we can't live there. Today we savor the past, but tomorrow's coming and the church moves on. Uh, Joanne and I are personally really excited about the future of the church. You have placed your confidence in Ken and Rhonda to lead the staff, and they're well qualified. They really are. They've been doing almost all these things for many years now. Uh, they'll do a great job, and with your help, and let me emphasize that, with your help. With your help and your love and your cooperation, the same help you gave me and the same love you gave me and the same cooperation you gave me, um, you can make it happen. You know, it was my plan to step down, to retire, and work on the church staff for a while to help Mary Ann Mickett hug back in the hallway back there. <laughs> But then after a while, I thought that probably won't work because we've tried that before. I stood across from Marianne and nobody ever looks at me. <laughs> they come in and just completely ignore me and they go for their morning hug from Marianne. Well, I, I wanted to do that, but that wouldn't work. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll volunteer to work on Jim Watts' maintenance crew up at the church. And then I thought, no, he won't let me do that either. <laughs> No, he said, I'm too bossy. He says, I've got too many crazy ideas. And so I guess uh, God didn't want me to s stick around. He had another plan. So Joanne and I are stepping out in faith. Um, we, let me say we've always been happy in our corner of the world here. And we'll be happy in Texas too. When, Joanne, when I took Joanne from Texas, I thought, well, maybe she'll yearn to go back to Texas. She never did. Or at least she never told me. She was always happy right here. You know why? Because we were both in the will of God. 
And when you're in the will of God, it has nothing to do with the temperature. You know, I, I, our church is not like it was 47 years ago. Uh, just back in those days, there was one pastor. I was the guy. I was the maintenance man, the usher, the sound director, the choir director, the soloist. Uh, anything you wanted, I, I had to do it. Uh, today, our church functions as a result of a good staff and many volunteer workers and the prayers and support of the congregation. Let me say to you in closing that w words cannot express our thanks to you for how well you have taken care of us through the years. You took the saying literally, how to get a better pastor is to pray for the one you have. You did that for me. Pray for the one you have. I pass that on to you for the next pastor. We want to thank you all for, your, for the years that you've allowed us to minister among you. And we'll always hold you in our hearts. And the Lord's people said. Amen. Jim Watts with Brother Jim. Here he comes. Oh, yeah. He's still telling me what to do, so. Hey, listen, I, I, I have your cell number. I know, I know how to text. I'm going to, like, I'll keep him in check. Hey, you know what? I, you know, when I, when I was a young boy, I, I grew up in the Bible-believing church, and everyone always talked about leading people to Christ. But I never saw anybody do it, you know. And so as I got older, I had such a passion to see people get saved. And I remember uh, my dad helped lead a guy to Christ. I, I lost my mind. So I thought as I got older, and I was working in another profession, I said, I, I really want to be around that. So then I heard about Pastor John. And somehow I got down here to volunteer. And, and I said, I, I got to raise my family around that goal where we care about people coming to Christ. Now, now, we didn't do this the other two services, but with a service, I listened this, on this one. That thing was unbelievable. Now, listen, uh, I'm sure, Pastor, there's someone here that does not know Christ or who would like to know how to transfer their trust. So before we do a little wrap-up, I'd like you to lead us in a prayer of how to transfer your trust. Okay, thank you. Yeah. You've got a mic. Our heads in prayer. Jim has requested that we give a little invitation, and so let us do that. If you're here today and you've never received Christ as your personal Savior, uh, there's an emptiness in your heart. There's a hole there that's never been filled. Jesus is knocking on your heart's door. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in to them and I'll have fellowship with them. And so if you need a Savior today, right there in your seat, I'd like to ask you to call out, not, not out loud, you don't have to have an emotional experience or walk down an aisle, but you can make your, your seat there, a little altar just between you and God, and pray a prayer like this, dear Lord, I need you, I need you, my life is empty, my heart is heavy, I've broken your law, I've offended your holiness, forgive me Lord, I accept forgiveness that you
purchased for me upon the cross. Come into my heart. I trust you and you alone as my personal Savior today. I, I want this to be a personal thing. I want to put my name in John 3.16. The scripture says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord should be saved. And if you just called on Christ, that's exactly what he did for you because he's eager to hear your prayer. And dear Lord, we uh, thank you for this, uh, this time that we could have together in the church today. It's meant a lot to, to us and to all of our friends who have come to be a part of this occasion. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And again, the Lord's people said, Amen. 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 Okay, Pastor, now you have to walk right down in front. i got to walk and down. And we got to help Joanne get next to you. Or you go up here, and then I'm going to ask Dawn to hold this mic for me. I We, as you know, we wanted to, uh, with him selling his house, Pastor and Joanne selling their house, moving to Texas, and all the events going to the church, we just couldn't pull off the celebration we wanted to. So we're going to do that in the spring. So you mark the work with you a day here soon, whenever he's, he's going to give me a date. And, uh, and then we're going to have, uh, we're going to have a great time. But, uh, you know, we thought we'd have a big dinner with everybody on their last Sunday, and then, uh. Just have a good time with it as a church family. But we have to give them a token of our love, and it's just the beginning. But for, let's see here, for Joanne, that's for you. And the girls tell me you're going to like that. And that's different than the first service, so it looks like the same bag. Now, against my wishes. I, I thought that you were recycling yeah. these things. Now, against my wishes, the, this also is a second gift. Now, the first one would have been good enough, but. <laughs> So uh, we're just so, we can't express our love enough, but I uh, hope that's just a small token. And, uh, okay. okay? Thank you. All right, thank you. Thank you very much. All right. All right. Okay. Thank you. Go ahead. Hey, listen. No, hey, I'll tell you, if he's nice to me, we'll bring him back. How about that? All right, why don't we close with a word of prayer? Well, let's, let's do something else. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, let's... Uh, we got to have a prayer for the food. Oh, I'm going to do that. Right. Okay, we're going to do that. Uh, let's sing a song. Okay. Jesus never fails. You know that one? Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. Heaven and earth will pass away. But Jesus never fails. Now that you know it, let's sing it. Jesus never fails, Jesus never fails, heaven and earth will pass away, but Jesus never fails. Wow, you guys are good, you know that? Now we're going to go next door and uh, we're going to eat, right? Yeah, lots of food. And uh, let's stand together. Let's pray one more time for the food. And then when we get over there, they'll be ready to serve us, okay? Dear God, we thank you for this great day and our friends. 
We pray that as we uh, fellowship together around the table that you'll bless, uh, bless the food to our bodies, Lord. Help us, Lord, to, uh, to continue on to be faithful to you and to your word. We pray in Jesus' name and the Lord's people said. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thanks for coming.